There's a rising sense of uncertainty and turmoil in the world and in our lives. Loss and disappointment seem endless, whether because of an unexpected diagnosis, a desperate search for a job, or our concern for the future of those we love. During heart-crushing, why-is-this-happening moments, we can feel abandoned. Has God given up on us? Is he no longer responding? Has he just left us? Join us today as we wrap up our series, The Always God. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Venture Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And as always, so glad you are listening in today. Oh, yeah. We believe you are here for a reason and a purpose. Uh, Where God has placed you right now in this moment in time um, we believe that um, that's he's got you there for a reason. Uh, we just truly believe that, uh, and we believe that um, God always has a purpose for everybody. There's no doubt about that, and so we are praying uh, that God will reveal that to you today, maybe through this podcast or maybe it's through something else, but we are praying that God will will move and, and, and do that. Uh, it's been fun exploring with you all the ways that God has moved and interacted with his people in the past. And learning how he is still moving in these same ways today. Uh, you and I can experience God today, which is, which is awesome. The eternal, self-existent, all-powerful God has not changed over time. He is still the great I am. And today, I want us to look at how God is still restoring, still restoring. Uh, we're in this series called The Always God, and we believe he is in this episode. We're talking about how he's always restoring. Now, I imagine lots of you, maybe even all of you that listen, um, are familiar with HDTV's show called The Fixer Upper. Uh, maybe you're not, uh, so I will just kind of just share what it's all about. Um, at its height, uh, more than 5 million viewers would t- tune in each week to watch the show. And for a short period of time, it was the highest rated show on cable television, only behind AMC's The Walking Dead. <laughs> which is kind of kind of weird. So you have one extreme to the other, right? Um, well, people love Chip and Joanna Gaines, and, and they also love the show. It, it has all blossomed into a full-blown destination spot for many traveling through Texas. Uh, as you um, may not be aware, but they have a whole destination site called Magnolia Farms. And, and the premise behind the show is, is pretty simple. Basically, a couple buys a home that needs repair and renovation, and to the rescue, here comes Chip and Joanna, who are the hosts of the show. Um, Chip leads in the construction, and Joanna leads in the design concepts. And of course, the climax of the show takes place in the last segment with the great reveal of the new home. And so I thought a lot about that show this week uh, when reading the passage that we're going to read today. And, and then talking about the subject we're addressing today. Because just as Chip and Joanna repair and restore broken, outdated, and worn-out homes, 
It's a great picture and it's a beautiful illustration of what God does with our lives. He takes broken, marred clay and he fashions it. He forms it. He molds it into something special. Okay. So let, let's read our main scripture for today. It comes from Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. And again, I'm reading from the NIV, uh, the national, uh, yeah, NIV is what I want to say. New International Version is what it is. Uh, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So she formed, So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can't, can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. In this passage, God is getting Jeremiah's attention. He wants to teach him a valuable lesson about how he works in his people's lives. And, and he does it using this real-life object lesson of a potter and the clay. The message this object lesson communicates is it's pretty simple. The potter has power over the clay, and the potter works this clay, forms this clay, molds this clay to take whatever form or shape the potter desires. In, in order to conform to what the potter's designing, the clay must be worked and reworked. The lumps in the clay have to be smoothed out. Where it is marred, it has to be remade. And this is an incredible picture of God and how he works in our lives. And so today, I want you to take away uh, three lessons from the potter and the clay. All right? Three lessons from the potter and the clay. And the first lesson is this, that we are all broken. We are all broken. Now, of course, I'm using uh, the word broken as a synonym for the word found in verse 4, which says marred. Okay? And this is exactly what the word means. Jeremiah uses the same word in chapter 13 to describe a belt that he was commanded by God to bury and later dig up. And after he dug the belt up, he described it in verse 7 as being ruined and useless. It was broken. Okay? It, it, and my question is, is there anything worse than something breaking and not fulfilling the purpose for which it was created? right? If something breaks in our lives, we either try to fix it or we throw it away and go buy it new because we want it to work, right? We want that item to work. Well, we are all broken spiritually and this is what sin does to us. It corrupts us. It mars us. It breaks the relationship between God and humanity. In Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is the translation using Jeremiah's term, for all are marred, and the only solution for marred clay is to be refashioned and remade by the potter. This is a picture of salvation. The only solution to sin, to the brokenness in our lives, is the gospel. When we submit our life to the potter's hands, he begins to form, to fashion, and make us into what 2 Corinthians 5 calls a new creation. Okay? Let's reflect on the context of this passage for a moment. Okay? Jeremiah is a prophet, was a prophet. And, and the message he proclaimed for 40 years was one of judgment upon the people of Judah. He predicted that Jerusalem would fall to the Babylonians and that God's chosen people would be carried off into exile. He's also called the weeping prophet because the reality of what he prophesied broke his heart. Okay, And it's important to note the object lesson God gives him refers to people God was in a covenant relationship with, the people of Israel. 
right? Jeremiah 18.6 said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. Now, I highlight this just to, just to make the point that, that once we have been remade by God and entered into a relationship with him, that doesn't mean we have arrived, okay? Salvation is when God's shaping work starts in our lives, not when it stops. And, and like the people of Judah over time, even those of us in a relationship with God, we, we can step outside of his will, right? We can choose to live in sin and disobedience. We can make decisions that cause lumps to form in the clay. And it's at that point that we learn the same, the same valuable lesson Jeremiah did, that, that clay that is marred, clay that is broken, can be reworked, remade. It can still be restored. And this brings me to our second lesson from the potter and the clay, okay? And that is this, that only God can restore the broken. Only God can restore the broken. Only the potter has the power over the clay. Only he has the power to rework, remake, and restore. And this should, should bring us great hope today because I know that I'm speaking to a number of people who are possibly Christians who have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, but, but maybe you are at a point in your life where you've gotten away from God. You know, sin, sin leads to a hardening of the heart. Hebrews 3, 7, and 13 says, hardened by deceitfulness of sin. And, and the harder the clay gets, the less moldable, moldable it becomes, right? It's like this. Um, when you first take Play-Doh, I hope most of you have heard about Play-Doh, okay? It's that, that squishy stuff in a can, right, that kids play with. Uh, when you take the Play-Doh out of the can, it's soft, it's pliable, it's workable, right? You can, you can mess with it, create stuff. You know what the easiest thing to create with Play-Doh is, right? It's a snake, right? <laughs> Just roll it, okay? But over time, as stuff gets in it and on it and pieces of it are lost, or if you accidentally leave it out, what happens, right? It gets hard. It gets brittle. It's not, it's not nearly as easy to work with. It's broken, and it's not able to carry out its intended purpose. And, and what's true with Plato is true for our lives. If we don't keep our hearts soft before God, and we don't take care of our personal relationship with him, with Jesus, through abiding in him, if we choose not to listen to him and embrace his word in our life, this is what it leads to, hardening. And often when our hearts become the hardest, God has to break us, right? In order to reveal to us how he can best use us. You know, the old adage of, you know, you have to hit rock bottom before you can get better. It's absolutely true in a lot of times where God has to break us down to bring us back up, to be able to be used by him. And for some of you today, you are carrying a sin and the deceitfulness of it, the consequences that have, that have come along with it have hardened your heart. And at the very same time, it has led you or it is leading you to a place of extreme brokenness. You know, we say things like, well, I'm afraid of this, or I'm grieving of this, I'm depressed of this, I'm discouraged by this, or whatever, you know. And maybe due to sin that has hardened you, or a situation or circumstance that is overwhelming you, what, are, what you are screaming is, help, I'm broken. You know, a relationship has ended. Help, I'm broken. Am I, am I the one that causes this all the time? Why can't I have a good relationship, Right. Someone you love is dying. You know, help, I'm, I'm, I'm broken. Why, is, why, is, why, is, why are they dying? Why can't it be somebody else, you know? 
help, I'm broken, an injury or an illness is, is holding me back, you know? Why me? Why do I have to go through this? Maybe you've been recently let go by a job or, uh, or in a different financial situation, right? Help, I'm, I'm broken. Listen to me. Don't keep running from God, right? We learned, we talked about that last podcast. Don't keep running from God. And certainly do not lose hope because you are in the right place. You are in the potter's house. And God can restore what is broken in your life because he's always restoring. He's still restoring. It doesn't matter what you've done or how much you've failed. Let the potter do what he does best and remake you into something beautiful. And all of, the, all of this reminds me of two examples of, of Jesus restoring people in the New Testament. Okay? The first was the woman caught in adultery. Some of you may know the story, some of you may not. So let's, let's read it real quick. It's John 8, 2 through, starting with verse, verse 2. Uh, we'll read 2 through 9 right now. It says, uh, in the NIV again, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts. We're talking about Jesus. Okay? Where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now, 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 what do you say? They said. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Let's pause there, because talk about being marred, being broken, right? This woman is dragged in front of people, sharing with what the sin that she has done. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't judge her. He doesn't pick up a stone to throw at her. He looks at this woman who is at the lowest point of her life and speaks words of life to her. Let's look at what he says. John eight ten through 11. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. He restores her. In a moment of grace, shows this woman love. It's exactly how God treats all of us in our sin. He restores us no matter what we have done or how broken and messed up we are. The second example of Jesus restoring is Peter. Um, most people remember what Peter's epic failure was, right? I, I hope most of you do. And if not, that's okay. Let me share what he did. Jesus, he said, Jesus, I'll never deny you. Okay? Jesus, I will never deny you. And if everyone else bails on you, I will not. And guess what happens? He denies him. In fact, he denies him three times. And after this, Peter is so broken that the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. He then sees Jesus after the resurrection. So can you imagine the grief, the embarrassment, the shame when Peter first saw Jesus? I, I would bet in their interactions, at least in the mind of Peter, his failure was no doubt the elephant in the room, right? And yet it goes un unaddressed. And the disciples make their way back to Galilee, and, and here's what happens. Peter says, enough of this. <laughs> he says, I'm going fishing. 
<laughs> right? How, how is that true with us? When we don't want to deal something, there's an elephant in the room. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to be faced with it. We say, you know what? I'm going fishing. I'm going to do something else, right? And Peter, along with some of the other disciples, they get in a boat and they go fishing. And the Bible says they catch nothing. Again, just imagine the feeling of a failure on their part. They, they don't have Jesus with them anymore, right? And then the one thing that they were good at, fishing, because remember, the, most of these guys were all fishermen. They fail in that. For Peter, it had to be a deeper sting, even though knowing he had denied and failed Jesus before that, now he can't even catch fish, right? And all of a sudden, as day is breaking, a man stands on the shore and asks those fishing if they've caught anything. And of course, they replied, no, we haven't caught anything. And then the man tells them to, to throw the net on the right side of the boat. And when they did, they caught so many fish that they couldn't even haul them in. Then the man said, it is I, the Lord. And when Peter heard this, he jumped out of the boat and swam and ran and went to the shore. And then Jesus invited them to breakfast on the beach. How romantic is that, right? <laughs> and, uh, but he did. He, they had breakfast on the beach. That's what it says, okay? And, and when they were doing, done eating, Jesus began to speak to Peter. And I can just imagine, like, Peter's, oh, man, here it comes. Here's the elephant. Here it comes. And it was here that Jesus asked a marred, broken Peter three times, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? I'll ask that again, Peter. Do you love me? And in gently restoring Peter, he took this pliable lump of clay and reworked him, giving him a new mission to go. And he said, tend my sheep. Peter, go and tend my sheep. Talk about love, right? He doesn't shame you. He gave Peter a brand new mission. And it was Peter that would preach at Pentecost. And on that day, 3,000 people came to know Christ. Only God can do that. I believe this is what is called the, the blessing of brokenness, where, where we are all broken, right? And only God can restore the broken. And then there's, here's the third and final lesson from the potter and clay, and that is this. God wants to restore you. God wants to restore you. I truly hope that you are taking this, this message personally today through this podcast. God longs to remake, to remold, to restore you. It's the loving work of a potter. The potter has a power over the clay. Ephesians 2 uh, uses the word workmanship to describe his work in our life. And it's a word that actually means poem. And God is writing a beautiful poem with your life. And then speaking of poetry, listen to this one as it relates to our, our uh, topic for today. It's called The Touch of the Master's Hand by Myra Brooks Welch. And here's what it reads. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidding, good folks?' he cried. What, who will start the bidding for me? A dollar? A dollar? Then two? Only two? Two dollars? And who will make it three? Three dollars? Once? Three dollars twice? Going for three. But no, from the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. 
$1,000? And who will make it two? 2000 And who will make it three? 3000 once, 3000 twice, and going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We do not quite understand what changed its worth. And swift came the reply, the touch of a master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune, and battered and scarred with sin, is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He is going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of a master's hand. The master, the potter, God can take your life, a simple lump of clay, and in a moment with his touch, as you remain pliable and soft in his hands, he will form you, make you, remake you, restore you into something that he can use for his glory. Now going back to the fixer-upper, you know what my favorite part of that show is? It's the end when they have the great reveal. And I love watching the couple's faces as they see their home and the investment they have made for the very first time. It's also at this time that where we see the before and after pictures, the couple walks through each room and is just blown away by what they are seeing. And in a very real way, this is how we should look at ourselves. This is how the world should look at us. God takes us, works on us, and as he does, we get so excited of what he is doing in our lives. And here's the kicker. The watching world, our friends, our family, those at school, those that are at our jobs, see how God has shaped us, how he has changed and restored us. And you know what they say? Who did that? Who took you from here to where you're at now? Who did that? And we can just simply smile and say, the greatest fixer-upper in the world. And you know what? He wants to restore you too. Will you let him? Amen. This concludes our series on the Always God. We hope you enjoyed this series. Uh, we hope you will also come back next week as we are going to celebrate Easter with a new series called Love Reigns. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast and Venture Ministries, or you'd like to help support us financially, please visit us at VentureChurch.ch.